This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Oh, we got a few things for you on this Friday program. In fact, we've got a full hour coming up for you on it. There was just no way upon reflection that we were going to be able to keep going on a half-hour format what with all of the basketball interviews we've got. So essentially, what would normally be almost a full show is going to be the second segment of this show, and that is a handful of conversations with men's and women's basketball. In fact, on Wednesday, I was set up at the Muma Center in my little studio that ESPN Plus loans me for this specific purpose. And by the way, ESPN Plus has a huge setup there at the Muma Center now. You know, a little behind-the-scenes stuff. It's where they have the photo and video shoots take place. Of course, they do some stuff on the basketball court as well in this case. And then the players and a lot of them newcomers, obviously, with Amir Abdurrahim's team, were very cordial and very informative. And today you're going to hear specifically from the three that transferred with Abdurrahim from Kennesaw. So you're going to hear Chris Youngblood, who was the Owls' leading scorer, and you could tell a leader sort, Brandon Stroud, who was the Defensive Player of the Year in the A-Sun and a leader sort, and Kaysen Jennings, who himself is a fantastic defensive player, and it's great to get to know all three of them. We'll also get to hear a couple of conversations from women's basketball. The two freshmen from Spain, both named Judith. Jose Fernandez has never had a Judith on any of his teams. Now he has two of them, Judith Valero, who is a guard, who can shoot the heck out of the ball, and Judith Oliva, who is more of an underneath player, and you get to hear their scouts on each other and actually the fact that they know each other. They knew each other for about seven years and sometimes played together over there in Spain. Now they'll play together as Bulls. wasn't the only conversation I was able to pick up that day as Michaela Washington, former Bulls volleyball player, now because of injury, a grad assistant, stopped by, and she has a special connection to tonight's Bulls opponent that you'll hear in this first segment. This is basically going to be this first segment longer and more like a normal show. In fact, we'll get you ready for the football game, Bulls against UConn. You're going to hear a little bit of what Alex Golish had to tell us on Bullseye. You'll also hear a little bit from both coordinators, offensively Joel Gordon and defensively Todd Orlando, who started off as a coordinator at UConn. Actually, he was a position coach for a handful of years before becoming their DC, and so he knows a little bit about playing there. And then we'll also tell you what happened last night with women's soccer. Unfortunately, they fell out of first place, and their chances to get an at-large to the NCAA tournament, which we were excited about after that RPI boost, probably went out the window last night. Now, they didn't lose, and their lot for the conference tournament probably doesn't change a lot. In fact, they can still finish as the division leader, but... East Carolina won, and we'll give you that whole rundown here shortly. We'll also give you the whole outlook for men's soccer, which is hosting UAB on Saturday night. And yeah, tonight, volleyball is going up against North Texas, so we'll give you a little preview of that matchup, and you'll hear from Mac, Michaela Washington, in this block. We'll also give you outlooks when it comes to tennis, cross-country, and more in our next segment, Basketball Interviews, and we'll end the hour with a nice long conversation with Alvin Todorica, who we told you how incredible his performance was at the ITA Southeast Regional in Atlanta. Of course, with all that's going on, I'm not sitting there watching, in fact, I don't think it was streamed live on video anyway, Alvin play in Atlanta. You're going to get basically a rundown of what happened with him match by match and how amazing some of the stuff that happens. Basically, any set that he won, he was either 
well behind in or well ahead and the other player caught up but he still gathered it back or vice versa it was an amazing conversation just taking us through how he made it to the finals of that incredible event and as a result he gets to play in san diego in the national event starting off in november so that's how we'll end the hour my conversation thanks to microsoft teams with alvin Todorica. let's indeed hear a little bit of what coach golish has to say about this week's opponent the yukon huskies this is from bullseye and bj daniels gave coach a little bit of a scare briefly when it comes to the possible slippery weather conditions on the show here bj any advice on playing in cold wet weather oh yeah i mean one of my first passes at uconn i threw the ball and the ball went that way <laughs> so man we don't we don't need that karma don't, don't need share it. that yeah, don't need that oh, yeah. karma. but uh you know uconn's coming off a of bye week so you know obviously jim morris coached the nfl ucla and so he's kind of used to bye weeks and coming off of that i'm sure the first couple minutes of the game will dictate you know kind of how they've prepared throughout their bye week, throughout their week getting ready for another game. Um, you know, how do you get our guys prepared after last week's game? Um, you know, paying attention to the details, turnovers, first down, third down conversions, but not to be uptight um, as well, to just go in and just, just swing. Yeah, we, we have focused so much on, on the other way of it. Like, how do we play as fast as imaginably possible? Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we pull the pin and just go get it? And so we've, today was a really, really good day to go back and literally fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Like, here is foundationally who we are. We play harder for longer, we run and hit, mm-hmm. and we make plays when the ball's in the air. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. So let's go back and let's keep it really, really simple. Not so simple that we don't give us, ourselves a chance to win, but keep it simple on all three sides of the ball where the guys can just go play fast and the demand that they do. Right. And um, so, no, they're going to be ready. They're going to be well-coached just like they have been all year. They're hungry as heck to, to go get it, too. They're at home. And uh, we're going to have to play elite-level football to go get the result we want. And uh, I can't wait to see what it looks like. And we'll give you a lot more on UConn on our pregame show. Remember, for road games, we go on the air 90 minutes before kickoff. There's really no need to go on two hours before kickoff. The reason we do it at home games is because, you know, you're driving to the games. We want you to be listening, and we get down there on the stampede and talk to Coach Gullis, but we kind of can't do that when they're on the road in East Hartford, Connecticut. Hey, does this sound familiar? Last week, the Bulls played an opponent who was getting a new quarterback really fully in the fold after their starter had gotten injured. Well, in this case, it's exactly what happened. Joe Fignano got hurt early in their second game. They would lose it to Georgia State. 35-14, the Huskies after falling to NC State by 10. Then with their new quarterback, Taquan Roberson, in fold, they played pretty well against FIU but lost by touchdown, went to a really good Duke team, got blown out, then almost beat Utah State 34-33 before putting it all together and winning last week against Rice 38-31. And they've got some pretty good targets. Justin Jolly is the tight end who has 23 catches and 291 yards, had 7 for 96 against Rice, which, if you didn't see, rolled it up at Tulsa last night, 42-10. to They also have a pretty good running game. Sophomore running back Victor Rosa, 75 carries for 399 yards. His yards per carry of 5.3 is near top 50 in the country. And against Rice, kind of like FAU's running back McCallum against Tulsa, had a pretty big game, 18 carries for 89 yards. An All-American type, a future pro type at offensive guard in Christian Haynes. 
one of the top tacklers in the country, at least Jackson Mitchell is their star defensive player, linebacker at eight tackles and a 50-yard scoop and score against Rice last week. And oh yeah, after having just one forced turnovers in the first four games, the UConn defense has forced six in the last two, a near win and an actual win, and it's going to be slippery. See the picture I'm trying to paint, it's not going to be an easy game for the Bulls, or at least I hope not. We thought last week was going to be a close game, and it wasn't. This week, I anticipate being a close one. Another thing to remember about UConn, yeah, they're 1-5 last year. 1-4, they got blown out by Michigan and NC State. Next thing you knew, they ended up 6-6 six and six and going to the Myrtle Beach Bowl, losing to Marshall. Now, a little bit more from the coaches' show, and you can hear the whole thing, of course, on replay a few times. It's out there as well on the YouTube channel for the USF football team. I mentioned that Naquan Wright was getting extra praise from his coach for his special teams work. If you didn't hear it, it was a great anecdote. Through the first couple weeks, he did some really good things and I think was kind of still searching for, man, like, like I want to do more. I want to lead more. I, want, I feel like I can help more. And, you know, had several conversations about your practice habits need to continue to improve how you show up and what you, what you look like and what you present yourself like has to resemble that of a leader. And so he went back and really, I give Naquan a lot of credit because he self-evaluates himself very critically and also can take criticism at a high rate. And that's hard to do as a young guy, it's hard to do, <laughs> yeah. especially when, when you feel like, man, I'm underachieving in some ways. And by, between myself, Coach Merritt, Coach Gordon, like your practice habits need to become elite then you will play better, then you will be able to lead better. Yeah. And you've seen the last three weeks, you know, this is a guy that, that runs down on kickoff for us, mm-hmm. that self-appointed himself to run down on kickoff. Really? And actually got furious with me because the third kickoff of the game, I, I said, Naquan, you're going to go on offense, you're off, and like livid. <laughs> wow. in, a, in a very positive like way as a coach, you're like this guy just literally just scored the touchdown Mm -hmm. and now wants to run down a kickoff because he feels like he can help us more there and so I'm really proud of where he has gotten over the last really month and where he's trending because he's been really positive for our offense he's starting to lead more he's starting to lead by example more Mm -hmm. he's speaking up more and again I think the more productive you are the easier it is to do that And, and he's starting to find himself as a leader in the program. See all of what we had to say, and Manny Hickman was so great on the defensive line. You'll understand why I call him Reverend Hickman, and he's just, well, he's a future broadcaster, that's for sure, a future pastor. And we also had a nice conversation with Billy Atterbury. Sam Barrington caught up with the former Bulls offensive lineman who was still very much engaged with the team and was on that last team that played at UConn back in 2019. Hope you enjoyed a couple of replays. We'll probably sprinkle them again. One more time each from the mid-decade, the Quentin Flowers turn for the Bulls when they went up against UConn in 2015 and 2016, featuring this call from Jim Lauk early in the game at Raymond James Stadium seven years ago. Five wide receivers. They fake the bubble screen. Quentin keeps. He's juking around. Nobody can find him. And now he finds the open field. Follows a blocker. Gets to the 20. Down the sideline to the 10. That is one of the great runs in USF football history. Touchdown USF. Quentin Flowers 54 yards, and even that doesn't tell you the whole story. What a play in in very little space. That, like, 
he juked everybody out. Looked like he was inside a phone booth in there. No one could have put a finger on him. And Quentin Flowers then breaks out to the left and gets it in. So what a spectacular move. All those great moves. And he wasn't even breaking tackles because nobody could get close enough to get a hand on him. He finally wound up following Rodney Adams down the sideline and into the end zone for a touchdown. That was pretty amazing. And again, the whole game was interesting. We kind of skimmed through the first half because there wasn't as much scoring. The Bulls were up 14-3 at halftime. But, and this is something that we can learn on this team because we've seen they're having to fight back. And, well, it can happen because in that game, I had completely forgotten, up 14-3 at halftime with the ball to start in the second half. Three and out, UConn quick score. Quick interception, UConn quick score. They went from 14-3 and starting with the ball in the second half to being down less than three minutes into the second half and ended up winning 42-27. Again, that game had never replayed before on the channel, and it did yesterday. And like I said, we'll do it again for you probably a couple more times before kicking things off with our pregame show Saturday at 2 o'clock. Here's a little bit of both coordinators first on the offensive side, Joel Gordon, who starts specifically off with trying to get drives off to better starts, namely the first play, P and 10, which is possession in 10, first play of each possession. And as Coach Gullish let us know, only three teams in the country worse than the Bulls in that category, so the importance of that, followed by defensive coordinator Todd Orlando's unit, of course, has well, given up a lot of points the last two weeks and trying to get back to how they started. Man, it's everything. It's everything. It keeps the playbook as wide open as it could be. You know, it keeps your offensive players confident that they're executing and they're going to the next play, expecting expecting to execute. Man, it just, it, it goes, it, it's been so important for us when we are efficient on first and second down, we've stayed out of a lot of third downs altogether, you know, in some of the games. Um, but even if we're getting to third down, it's third and short, it's third and medium, and you're going to get, a high percentage of those conversions, uh, more so than third and long. And we've lived there for about the last month. And it's a hard place to live when you're putting a ton of pressure on the offensive line to have to pass protect in the drop back world. Your quarterback's doing something that, you know, you necessarily you, you don't want to have to do every single third down. So to answer your question, it's extremely important. Really reevaluate from a coaching standpoint. The, the things that we're asking guys to do. So there was a, a deep dive, get back to basics. That's probably the, the, the biggest thing that we came back and addressed. Literally went out uh, on Tuesday's practice, did pursuits, did some more communication work, just trying to go back to the, the roots of this thing to get things cleaned up and fixed. And, uh, you know, once, once you get into, you know, you got back-to-back games where you underperformed, Always the first thing you do is look and evaluate yourself as a coach. That's the biggest thing that I did. Went back, took a look at the plays, what we're asking guys to do, evaluate that, make sure that we're doing things that our guys can do, and then go back to fundamentals technique, go back to the communication part, go back to the strain to the football and all the things that gave us an opportunity to win games, especially early on in the season. So uh, deep search uh, going into it. but also making sure that we're doing what's best for the kids and then connecting again and going back to um, going back to the, the foundation of this defense, which is energetic, freaking running and hitting, communicating, um, and then finishing plays. That's the most important thing. Wait until you hear coaches Matt Grothy snowball throwing anecdote from a past Bulls UConn, meaning from the UConn point of view. You're going to enjoy that. That's part of our network pregame hour. We hit the air 
the first half hour exclusive to Bulls Unlimited. You don't want to miss that. We have fun. We do our famous get crazy predictions at around 225 and then 230. Again, the full network pregame. Todd Orlando joins us towards the midway portion around 3 o'clock. Michael Kelly live from the field at the rent. Actually, he might be in the booth this week if it's rainy like it's supposed to be. But that's all part of our pregame show. And Alex Golish has a great sit down with Jim Lauke actually on the road. If you guys don't know, this little behind the curtain does it on a Friday night, which is way closer to kickoff than we have become accustomed to doing those pregame interviews. Coach Golish is great. Gives us a lot of information that we don't really share with you until we hit the air. So you want to make sure you tune in, not just to the broadcast, but maybe to my Twitter X feed at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. Again, our pregame starts at 2 o'clock. Before we get to soccer and volleyball, this other football note, love seeing this. Mike Lofton named to the watch list for the Werfel Trophy, which honors college football's most impactful leaders in community service. Great story on GoUSFBulls.com about all of what Lofton does off the field. We really appreciate that. Back to on-the-field stuff. Soccer is playing. Men are at home Saturday night. Women played last night. We'll get there in a second. However, our only non-football live event that we'll be bringing you this weekend is tonight. And we'll tell you more about the opponent specifically for volleyball. But first, well, you're going to hear a little bit about the North Texas Mean Green from somebody that knows a little bit particularly about one of their players. I had the chance to sit down with now, yes, former player for a few minutes, Mac, Michaela Washington. Get this. All right, before we talk about this uh, big matchup on Friday night and a really in-depth scout of the opponent from... Is it officially grad assistant coach, GA coach, Mac? Yes, yes it is. Do you answer to that now? I answer to honestly anything, but the girls like tease me a little bit. Because <laughs> you're technically still a student, right? Yes, I'm getting my master's. Mac, I still see you as a player, even though I can absolutely see you as a coach type. Uh, do you feel like you ever get the urge to want to come back out there? Oh, 100% all the mm. time. Sometimes it's more than others, and other times I'm... I'm content with it, but it's hard sometimes. <laughs> Before we get into the, the matchup this weekend, what was the, the moment? Did you have to talk to yourself? Did someone say, hey, let's not risk it anymore? It was definitely uh, one of those tough decisions I had to make, and they kind of were just like, the choice is yours. But they they gave me the reality, and they gave me my options. And hmm. in the long run, I weighed them out, and my body was kind of just telling me to just cut it out. Wow. Well, so great to see you around, and it just it does really feel like you're part of this team, and this team must be fun to be a part of. How gratifying is it, even though you're not on the court, you're still, well, you're basically on the court, uh, to see th- things turning around like they are? Oh, it's awesome. It's great to be a part of. I feel like I'm, you know, helping in a way that's new and exciting, and it's nice seeing the girls grow, and you coaching them or giving them like a skill to work on and then them actually like showcasing that on the court it's really cool to watch what's a typical day like for you as far as uh, what your job duty entails these days I'm sure it's a little bit of everything yeah I mean I kind of just help out on the back end of things uh hmm. Jolene kind of gives me like a list of duties and right now it's a heavy on social media or like different event nights like I covered alumni and I'm working on senior night wow. just different things like that and you're uh, part of the SAC, uh, one of the officers this year or no? No. Feels so like you always are. But I know. <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> I passed over my, uh, my baton, so I'm to, no longer a part of SAC. But Amanda's part of it now and, uh, and Reagan. Reagan as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. It's still a big part of the team. Okay. Do you know anything about North Texas? Do they have any good players? Who is number nine? 
So they are a very fiery team. Uh, number nine is my sister, oh Alexa my Washington. <laughs> um, she is a left-handed setter, so she's also a little, a little fiery. But <laughs> from watching film, they're they're very energetic. They're very loud, and they're very like obnoxious with how they're playing. Nice. So that's going to be one of like the the key things that we have kind of have to stomp on this weekend. But I thought you were <laughs> just, I thought you were just calling your sister obnoxious. She's not, <laughs> is she? <laughs> Uh, in all seriousness, about our guys, um, how is their attitude now? Because it was always one of those things where preaching belief and trying to win the game matches that are close, and now not only are you winning the close ones, you're winning sweeps. Uh, but now is it like next level, looking to you know even attaining higher goals? Yeah, like a hundred percent. Because that was the that was the first battle. You got to believe, and you got to like actually like have something that you can see. And now they see it, mm -hmm. and now they just have to keep holding themselves to a higher standard, right? It's kind of about not getting too comfortable in a way because we still have a lot of work to do. There's still upcoming games that are very important for our standings in the conference. So it's really just keeping keeping your eyes forward. All right. Well, we are keeping our eyes on the court. We'll see you on Friday night. Thanks a lot, Mac. No problem. I know. The noise she made when I said, your sister's not obnoxious, is she? <laughs> that was everything, both of them from Leon High School in Tallahassee. Now, Alexa hasn't played a whole lot because she's a freshman and they have two other setters. They split those main duties between CeCe Hornis and Cameron Scroggins. North Texas is 11-11, and 5-4 and four in the conference. However, they just got beat by UTSA after sweeping them. They lost in five sets. UTSA is an opponent that the Bulls swept in San Antonio. So certainly not expecting an easy time at the Yingling Center, but the way the Bulls have been going lately, you like their chances. They're 13-7 and seven overall against 7-2 and two in the American while North Texas is right at 500, 11-11, 5-4 in the league. Shadiamond Holly leads the conference in hitting percentage. She is a middle, and their other main middle, Truly Levy, also hits a nice clip. Not only top five in the conference, but top five in UNT history with their hitting percentage. Anna McNeese State transfer Anise Smith, a senior, has been leading them in conference play. It's the first meeting. Yes, the new friends from the Conference USA are providing a lot of such meetings. We'll have it. First time history made tonight at 6 o'clock. I'll be at the Yingling Center. You know, there's technically a possibility, but it's too much of a stretch to bring you the men's soccer match on Saturday night against UAB. Because it's at 7 o'clock, I have a pretty good inkling that will still be on the air <laughs> with the football postgame show. But the men, that's a must win. They've got three matches left and certainly got a big-time lift from what happened on Tuesday night out of conference, ironically, being down to Stetson 2-0 and coming back to win that one by the score of 3-2. Hopefully you saw the Jalen Anderson goal. If not, go to my Twitter X page at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. But for Saturday, no fooling around. They have to win. This is a UAB team that has not won all year. 0-9-4. Their only positive result in conference was a 2-2 tie at Temple. Now, one nothing scores against Tulsa and FIU sort of let you know that they want to play a low-scoring game and hope to maybe sneak a goal, but it was kind of their thing last year in their first year in the conference, playing for ties and then trying to sneak out a win or two if they could, and they turned out to be a thorny team. The Bulls will, I'm sure, try and get on the board as early as possible because that would probably open up UAB for more goals. The Bulls, simply put, have to win this game. Six teams make the conference tournament. Right now, they are in eighth place, but just two points out of fourth place. Memphis, Tulsa, and FAU all at six points, then Temple on five, the Bulls at four, and UAB with just one. If the Bulls just take care of their two matches at home, 
not only are they definitely in the conference tournament, but they could sneak out that fourth spot, which means you're hosting a first-round game. They'll probably have to get at least a tie against Memphis. But you know, Temple's ahead of them by a point. But look at Temple's schedule. At Memphis, home to Tulsa, at SMU. Memphis has a little bit of an easier schedule, but the Bulls play them. Florida Atlantic, again, two points ahead of the Bulls. The Bulls play them at home to end the regular season. So with A, two matches at home in their last three, and B, the teams ahead of them either playing each other. When two teams are trying to catch are playing each other, they both can't win, and or playing tough schedules. Fourth place is still very much in the offing for the Bulls, but they have to win. Repeat. Saturday night is a must-win, in my opinion. Okay, technically it's not a must-win because if they turn around and beat Memphis and FAU, but you can't fool around. you got to win. Unfortunately, the women did not win on Thursday night against a team that was only 3-11-1. Rice got outshot by the Bulls 28-8. The Bulls gave up the first goal on an absolute, even the Rice announcers on ESPN Plus admittedly, flop, dive in the penalty box where the player did the right thing. Cena Mark Fardson was defending for the Bulls and Kind of clipped the player who was taking a tough angle to the ball and Cena even tried to pull herself back and barely touched her and poof, fell down and got the call. But the Bulls got the score tied less than a minute later. And when you saw the pace with which the offense answered that Rice goal, you figured they could score six, like three teams actually did against Rice this year, including two teams, SMU and North Texas, who the Bulls shut out. So mathematically, two teams the Bulls shut out were able to score six against Rice. You would have figured the goals would have started to come, but only Getiana Fetoy's fantastic long-range shot there in the first half actually got into the goal. And despite a 28-8 shot advantage, the Bulls tie 1-1. to As for the 28 shots, the most they had put up in a conference match was 19. 15 of the shots in the second half. And Getana Fetoy has been so good for the Bulls this year. Her seven shots almost equal Rice's total of eight. On the other side, their goalkeeper, Hannah Pimentel, Mississippi State transfer. Yep, career high in saves. This is her fifth year in college with 11 saves. She had to make one in her previous game against UAB. It happens, but then again, you look at the Bulls. They had won their three matches in a row before that, all by one nothing scores. So if you're you know, not scoring a lot of goals, it's great when you get a shutout. But when it's a fluke goal, is Rice... Again, their penalty kick was absolutely a gift. Converts one, then, well, there you have the final score. Ironically, the team that they played this week also outshot the Owls vastly last night and had to settle for a tie. Talking about UTSA, more on that in a second. But where the Bulls sit in the standings now, they had control of winning their division. They don't anymore. That's because East Carolina went to SMU and, well, maybe this is the secret, got outshot 17-4 to and still won. So the Pirates were holding on for dear life and SMU barely missed tying it up a couple times late. Had they tied it, the Bulls would still be two points up on the Pirates in the standings, but... SMU would have still been within range of the Bulls. So all in all, a top three finish looks almost secure now for South Florida. Basically, they just have to win one of their last two games. Second place is still a possibility. First place is now, not that it ever was, but it is technically impossible to catch Memphis because they won four to nothing last night and have wrapped up the number one seed. So why do I say top three is important? Yeah, you want to win your division and be the two seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, you don't want to be the four seed and have to play Memphis possibly in the semifinals. And with SMU losing last night, the odds of the Bulls dropping out of the top three went down greatly. Memphis has 21 points, East Carolina and the Bulls both on 14 points. Then it drops down three full points to Charlotte, and then SMU 
because it lost last night, is at 10 points, along with Tulsa. Boy, that's a story right there. They haven't clinched a conference tournament spot. Again, top eight of the 12 make it, and right now the Bulls look like they'll be either the two or the three seed. If they're the two, it means they're the division champs. They'll need to basically have more points in their last two matches than East Carolina gets. Bulls play UTSA Sunday at 2. East Carolina is at North Texas at the same time. So Monday we'll have a lot more of the outlook on where the Bulls sit going into their final match of the regular season. And just if you're a worst-case scenario person, the Bulls have actually clinched a spot in the conference tournament. They cannot be caught by the team that right now sits in ninth place, that is UAB. The downside is the hopes of getting an at-large for the NCAA tournament took a major hit because of Rice's overall computer numbers. But I have a feeling the Bulls will be ready to roll on Sunday against a UTSA team that, yes, last night also played a group of Owls, vastly outshot them, and tied. The Owls, in this case, were from Florida Atlantic. UTSA outshot FAU 13-0 in the first half, 19-3 for the game. But scoring has been even more of a problem for the Roadrunners. They went five matches in a row recently without a goal. Now, granted, they kept it close, losing one nothing to teams like Baylor and Memphis. Now, before last night, they did get a 1-1 tie at UAB and a 2-0 win at Temple, but two teams that have found it frustrating to find the net, so maybe a high-scoring game Sunday will let you know, whatever the case, on Monday's show. So you look at the clock, that's normally a full-length Bulls beat that we've already done, but we still have much more to come. Interviews with the three Kennesaw transfers you're going to enjoy hearing from as I did, Brandon Stroud, Chris Youngblood, and Kaysen Jennings. After that, Judith Valero and Oliva, freshman for the women's basketball team. And don't forget, we'll end this hour-long version of the show with Alvin Todorica of Men's Tennis after he made it all the way to the ITA Southeast Regional Finals in Atlanta just this past week. Stay tuned.